Jackson, Gary Seegers, Kyle Hunter, and Parker Fleming will break down the games live every Wednesday and Thursday on our BetUS College Football YouTube channel. Subscribe, hit that bell now, and never miss a show. BetUS, where the game begins. Week 7 in college football saw another stunner as unranked Purdue trampled second-ranked Iowa in a Big Ten battle. Over in the SEC, the huge news came on Sunday when LSU announced it was parting ways with head coach Ed Orteron at the end of the season. On the field, the Tigers outlasted Florida while top-ranked Georgia rumped and Alabama roared after being upset. Week 8 starts early, as in Wednesday, with undefeated Coastal Carolina facing Appalachian State. There are then four games on Thursday and Friday, leading into another full Saturday. Our college football crew looks at the rare week where there isn't a matchup of top 25 teams. Here's our college football crew. Enjoy the show. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. It is week eight, and it is part one. That's right, the early slate games. We're going to hit some weeknight games. We're going to hit some early Saturday games. Uh, there is a whole slew of night games this week, so we're going to hit those on the Thursday show. Let's go ahead and introduce you to the BetUS experts, always with us every Wednesday and Thursday on the right side, we've got Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. On the left, we have got Parker Fleming. He is at Stats of War. Uh, Kyle, of course, our professional award-winning handicapper. Parker, our numbers guy, our statistical an uh, analyst. I, I think I said that right. Good gracious. We got a whole mess of stuff to discuss, fellas. Kyle, let me start with you. I hope you are having a wonderful day thus far, but we have got some football to talk about. Are you excited about the slate this week? Yeah, having a good day here, and uh, I always enjoy doing this, guys. You know, a lot of fun. I think all of us really look forward to this, so I'm pumped up to do it again here. Same here, same here. Parker, uh, I know you feel the same. You tweeted about it earlier. For those that are not following him on Twitter, he said he just realized this week that he really enjoys doing this. <laughs> I said, to be fair, let the record show, I said how much I enjoy doing this, Gary. Look, I was excited. There's a football game tonight. My dad, you know, I was yes. I was wearing up to go. We're we're here. We're like, it's today. It's not talking about games tomorrow. It's wherever meets the road. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. We've got people already in the chat. Brad Burton has jumped in. Uh, I'll go ahead and read his question right off the bat before I do anything else. He said, would anyone actually bet Pitt over Clemson? I see the market's moving there, but it feels like a trap. My brother, we are going to hit that here in just a minute. But let me go ahead and start us off with this. You can enter the promo code NCAAF2021. When you sign up over at BetUS, you need to take advantage of the deal because it's a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. And, y'all, it is sportsbook exclusive. I can't tell you how great of a deal this is. There is a link in the description. Go on down there. Click the link. It's going to put the promo code in there for you. Very easy to do. You don't even have to remember it. But if you were just listening to the show and you want to enter that thing later, you can do so. Again, the promo code NCAAF2021. Go sign up at BetUS.com where the game begins. If you are here watching, you already know what's going on. But if you would so kindly, go ahead and hit the like button and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you know when we are live. And I will go ahead and tell you. It's Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. We hit the early slate on Wednesday. We hit the late slate on Thursday, and we are going to provide you with our opinions on the games where we find the most value, along with some of the biggest and most interesting games of the week, and we do it every single week. It's a fantastic time. Hopefully, you will continue to join us and share the show out. Tell your friends about it. Jump into the comments, all that good stuff. Uh, again, Stephen, Natalie, Taylor, all you guys that are already in there, we appreciate you being here early, for sure. Let's uh, let's go ahead and do a recap of what we have done thus far on the season. These are our records so far. I 
absolutely crapped the bed last week. I did not perform well. I apologize for that. I'll go ahead and say it right off the bat. I went two and four last week. It was awful. But luckily, Kyle and Parker absolutely knocked it out of the park. Kyle went three and two. Parker five and two last week. Picked us up. We improved on the year last week. So through the season, I have made 50 picks. I am 25, 23, and two. Still above 500. That is not profitable just yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm getting back to that point. Kyle, absolutely killing it. 23 and 14 on the season. He's made 37 picks. And Parker, 61 picks. He is 29, 30, and two. Last week's five and two record was awesome. Absolutely awesome. So overall, on the gear, if you have taken every play that we have made, you'd be sitting at 77 wins, 67 losses, and four pushes on the year. And that, my friends, is profitable. So that is definitely a lot of fun to look at when you look at the bare bones of the numbers and whatnot. There's a lot more that goes into it. I I get that. But we'll start off with this week because we do have a play for the Wednesday night game that is coming up here in just a few hours, a couple hours, actually. We'll start off with the first game of the night, and that is Coastal Carolina heading to Boone, North Carolina, App State. And App State is a four-and-a-half-point home dog. Now, gentlemen, App State has only been a home dog three times since 2014. This does not happen often. Uh, the total is 61 on this game. Last year, Coastal won this matchup 34-23 to since 2020. Coastal Carolina, 5-0 and straight up, 3-2 and against the spread as a road favorite. The teams are 2-2 and against the spread against each other all time. The over is three and one. So if you're looking at a total, uh, you know, at 61 might be a little low. Who knows? Who knows? A number to look at with this is strength of schedule. Coastal Carolina has played basically nobody all season. Uh, their strength of schedule per Sagarin, number 159 in the country. Uh, let me remind you that there are only 130 FBS teams. So they are way, way, way low. App State, however, number 91 per Sagarin. Coastal, uh, there's there's a lot to like about this team. And if you look at the stats, they are dominant in every phase of the game. But what does it mean when you do that against bad competition? I don't know that for certain. I want to start off with Kyle first. The shots have been incredibly impressive. Like I said, the numbers are out of this world. But what can we take from them and apply it into this matchup on the road tonight? Yeah, um, I don't have any strong opinion on this game, so I'll keep mine uh, pretty quick. I I think that App State has a couple running backs banged up here, and I I think that will factor into this one. Um, Also, Coastal being 6-0 here against the spread so far this year, um, they're highly valued in the marketplace to where it's hard for me to put a PR number that's as high as this. Having said that, I don't trust Chase Bryce. Um, It it feels to me like it should be a sell-high spot for Coastal at some point here soon. I don't trust Chase Bryce as far as I could throw him, and that's not very far. So, um, (laughs) uh, you know, this is is one of the spots where I don't want to bet App State, but I think Coastal's too expensive. Um, Who's the best team Coastal's beaten so far this year? Um, Buffalo? I, I, I mean... That's, Could, would we say Kansas, maybe? I mean, I don't, I mean know. gosh. It's, I, I, I don't have a good answer for you. I mean, it's it's a difficult question, and I mean, it speaks to their strength of schedule or lack of the strength of schedule there. Um, as far as the total, I don't think I can take over 61 because these teams don't play fast enough uh, to justify that kind of play. Um, I want to see what Parker has to say about this game because, in general— this is a game that I wanted to stay away from as soon as I saw it. So, um, like I said, my number is a little bit lower than this. So, uh, would have leaned toward taking App State, but I, I really like Coastal Carolina. It's not a team I want to fade. Uh, no, that definitely does make sense. Uh, by the way, their their schedule: Citadel, Kansas, uh, at Buffalo, and that was the one where they did not cover the spread uh, this year. They uh, let's see: UMass, ULM, and Arkansas State. It, it's not exactly a murderer's row of competition here. Parker, uh, they are, I mean, they're rolling. They've been rolling since last season. It's like Grayson McCall is the perfect quarterback for Jamie Chadwell's uh, offense. Hey, give me your thoughts here. I, I tend to lean coastal, uh, but again, at four and a half, I don't know that I'm, I, I don't know how much I'm buying it. Uh, I think it was at five earlier. It might, I think it came down a little bit, but it. I, I like coastal. I love them, but I feel like the public loves them as well. 
Gary, I, I think that I would take Coastal um, winning this game almost almost up to nine points, almost up to any anything single digits here. I uh, have to say one of, one of my catchphrases, you know, is just good teams beat bad teams, and they beat them convincingly. And Coastal is just absolutely running through teams. I'm not sure that any other Power Five team uh, who might be better than them would would look very different in their. Uh, you know, against this slate. Um, and so they're they're playing excellently. They're very experienced. Their defense is very disruptive. And I highlight that because last week, Chase Bryce against Louisiana was visibly uncomfortable, made some very bad decisions, turned the ball over four times. And Louisiana scored 20 points or 21 points off those four drives. On Louisiana's other seven drives, 20 points total. And so App State really was going pound for pound with Louisiana, except that they kept just giving the ball away on on short fields. The reason I I bring that up on early downs defense, Coastal is fourth in the nation, 21st in in early downs EPA. App State's offense is seventh in the nation and 17th uh, in early downs EPA. So that is strength on strength there. I think that Coastal Carolina's defense is going to be disruptive against App State in such a way that App State will not move the ball. And then I have no uh, n- no limit in the confidence that I have in Jamie Chadwell's offense against this App State team. First in EPA per pass, 14th in EPA per rush. App State's defense only 70th in EPA per rush. So it's going to be a pick your poison situation as to whether, you know, App State stacks the box and tries to counter the option or if they get beat over the top. Also, I'm not sure in the secondary App State has anybody who can cover um, Isaiah Likely, the Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina tight end. So overall, I think that you're right. Coastal Carolina is expensive, but Coastal Carolina is very good. And I think that they're very, very likely to win this game by by a, a significant amount. So I'm going to take them at 4.5 as one of my official picks this week. I, I tend to like it. I tend to like it. Uh, I loved it more when it was three early in the week. But I do sometimes wonder, App State has built a name brand for themselves. I wonder sometimes if these brands, and we can kind of say the same with Clemson, et cetera, uh, maybe these brands overvalue uh, the actual team. So, Let's jump into the official play for the Wednesday night game. And Parker is the one that is actually making the pick here. He is going to ride with the shots minus four and a half on the road at App State. Uh, I can't disagree with it, but I am going to pass. I think it's uh, I think it's a little too much for my blood, but uh, but that's okay. That's okay. I hope that it hits, and I would feel really, really good if it does for Parker. So let's move on to the next game. Uh, you guys keep tossing those those questions into the chat here. Next game up, a Friday night tilt, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Middle Tennessee heads to the University of Connecticut. That's right. The Yukon Huskies are 15-and-a-half-point dogs at home. Total is 56. The last time that MTSU, or I guess Middle Tennessee, was a road favorite was 2018. Yukon is 4-0 and against the spread their last four as a home dog. They have completely shifted since new interim coach Lou Spanos took over for Randy Edsel once Edsel was uh, was shown the door. They have looked much, much improved over the last however many games. Now, the game that they lost to UMass, uh, Spanos did not actually coach the game. So that uh, <laughs> that might have something to do with that. Uh, but the numbers are, are all over the place with these two teams. MTSU, number 111 in net points per drive. UConn is number 129. Uh, MTSU number 116 net available yards per drive. Uh, UConn number 124. Uh, what I'm saying with these numbers is these two teams are not 15 and a half points apart. Uh, it, it's it's kind of shocking to see that big of a line with two teams that are uh, at least statistically very similar. So let me go ahead and start with you, Parker. I, I know you got some numbers for me on this, but uh, UConn, you know, not maybe not as bad as people are making them out to be and MTSU, maybe not as good as this line is showing them to be. 15 and a half is a lot of points here. And I, that's why I'm staying away from this game entirely. Just there's a lot of uncertainty with UConn. And also I just don't trust MTSU to be able to do anything consistently. Neither team is, is, is really, really good at, at anything. I'll point out two things that MTSU does relatively well. That might make me uh, interested in them being able to cover this, this spread, but Again, I'm I'm have reservations. So first on offense, they score very well when they get quality um, 
possessions, right? So 34th in points per points per echo, they're 4.72. Unfortunately, they're only getting uh, quality possessions at a 36% rate, which is 118th in the nation. So uh, it's not like they're doing that a lot. It's just, you know, they're, they're, they're doing that. Uh, and then on defense, they're actually pretty, pretty good at uh, across the 40, 24th in, in points per echo, 3.55 allowed. So maybe some red zone magic happening there for MTSU. They're 43rd in net field position. So, uh, you know, if I'm talking myself into, into MTSU here, I'm saying they're bad, but they're not abysmal. And UConn has been abysmal. Uh, they're, they're decent kind of in these situations that might matter on the margin. And their field position has been a net positive this season. So maybe they'll find themselves in good situations. But Man, this is a whole lot of points for two bad teams. And the total is, what, 55, 56? Yeah. Yikes, man, that makes me very nervous. Um, uh, then again, I, I really don't know that uh, – I don't I don't know who UConn is. I don't know who they can be. I don't know who they want to be. And so this, this game is um, fun because my preview is just a bloodbath of red and bad numbers on it. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I can't really uh, – I can't really recommend a play on this one. No, it totally makes sense. Uh, this is one for, uh, what do they call us, uh, DGENs or sickos, <laughs> I think is the right way to go about it. Uh, but there's a reason why we like to cover some of these games, and, and I tend to find value with it. Uh, you know, Kyle, let me let me get you in here on this. Uh, there's not a lot to like about either team, but, you know, maybe there's some things that, that you might be able to point to with it. Yeah, I want to start out by saying that we're really going to need the chat and the viewers to chime in on this one because I don't think there's going to be too many people out there looking up Middle Tennessee State and UConn this week. But having said that, that's why I love this show. And, it's uh, you know, the people at BetUS have given us freedom to look for value wherever we can find it. And I agree with Gary that I have done better on games that are pretty far under the radar uh, over the years than I've done on games that are, you know, the big name TV games all the time. So, uh, I think it's nice to be able to cover these. I think UConn has to be able to run in a game like this. They're very weak through the air. They're 98th in yards per carry on offense, which, you know, it's not particularly good, but we're not really going to find any good numbers for either of these two teams, like Parker said. So um, UConn is 116th in rushing play success rate. MTSU 122nd in rushing play success rate allowed. So maybe UConn can get the ball moving a little bit on the ground. And I also think that MTSU's... Um, at least somewhat positive reputation in the marketplace is likely because of that win against Marshall. And that win against Marshall was pretty fraudulent. You know, 493 to 314 yards in that when Marshall outgained them. Uh, that was a game that Marshall just uh, turned it over constantly, should have won that game. MTSU's success rate on offense is 122nd. So there's no way I'm laying that many points with the team on the road that can't move the football any better than that. Uh, Parker did say about how good they've been in the red zone. I, I just am a little concerned that they can't keep that up. 13 touchdowns and 16 trips into the red zone this year. Um, an offense that isn't any good, that just kind of all at once is amazing in the red zone. I'm always kind of skeptical. Um, now maybe against UConn, they can score again in the red zone, but uh, 15 and a half points is a lot of points. And it's not that high of a total, as you guys said. I lean toward UConn, but I don't feel strongly about this one. I always like to look at the prior three games for teams. Now, obviously, strength of schedule plays into a lot of that and whatnot, but to see exactly what the teams are doing recently as opposed to uh, did they start off hot and then fell off, et cetera, et cetera, you get kind of an idea of how they're playing now as opposed to full season. And if you look at the last three games, UConn averaging more first downs, they are averaging more yards per game, they are averaging giving up over 100 yards less per game than Middle Tennessee State. Uh, they are they are playing better under Spanos than they did under Etzel. I think that this number is crazy. My line was eight, so let's go ahead and make it an official play because I think UConn hangs in this game. Uh, they got their first win in forever uh, last week against Yale. Now, Yale is a, a different level, of course, than MTSU, but I'm going to take the Huskies at plus 15 and a half. I think there's value here. Uh, at most, I could see MTSU maybe winning this by two touchdowns. Even then, I still get a cover, and I feel pretty good about that. So uh, that moves us off of our, our weeknight games for this week. Of course, if you have questions, you can always jump into the chat, and we will discuss it at the end of the show in our Q&A. Uh, we'll move to a Saturday noon game, 12 p.m. Eastern time, and we're going to talk Wake Forest at Army. Now, Mitchie Stadium, uh, I hope I say that right. 
Parker, is that Mitchie Stadium or Mikey Stadium? Oh, oh, heaven knows. I'm the worst. I only see things written down. <laughs> Somebody in the comments roast me for not knowing. I should know, but. <laughs> I, I'm kind of the same way here. Um, okay, so Wake Forest heading to Army, to West Point. We'll say that. That's easier. Wake Forest, a three-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. Total, 52 and a half here. Uh, Wake Forest, not great as a road favorite. Two, seven, and one against the spread of their last 10 as a road favorite. However, uh, Army, two and three straight up and against the spread of their last five as a home dog. So they're not great in this position either. This is a very interesting, interesting situation here because Wake Forest, you know, playing really well and it's kind of tapered off just a little bit because they were they were rolling Virginia and they rolled, you know, several other teams in the ACC. And now they've had close games against Syracuse, et cetera. Uh, Louisville was the other one. They they keep doing what they need to do to win, but now you have to go on the road to face this triple option offense. It's a scary, scary situation. And you know, before I get into numbers, Kyle, let me go ahead and bring you in here on this one. I I am curious your thoughts because uh, it, Wake Forest is not exactly a super explosive offense, and I don't know that you necessarily need that to beat Army, but I do think that it helps that they are. Uh, they are pretty successful moving the football and, and sustaining drives. And I think the longer you can keep the football away from Harmy, uh, that can help you in this situation. Do you kind of feel the same? Yeah, you know, this is a pace war game too. 13th in tempo for Wake Forest, 130th or last for Army. Um, two teams doing it completely different ways. Both well-coached teams. I think um, both of these are far above average coaches. I looked this one up here. Before the show today, Clawson is 81-63-2 against the spread all-time, 56.3%. So if you've been betting on Clawson, you've made good money. Um, Sam Hartman's playing really good football so far this year as well. I, I'm pretty impressed with his stats. Average depth of target, 12.4 yards, only four turnover-worthy plays, 84.8 rating from PFF, which is 24th best in the country. Very solid play there. Army's pass defense is extremely difficult to grade. I mean, you look down through their schedule, who they played so far this year, um, Georgia State, UConn, Miami of Ohio, Ball State, Wisconsin, Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is the one team that would test the secondary a lot. Um, they gave up over 400 yards through the air in that game, 8.1 yards per play. I remember Western Kentucky getting in the back door on that one. I, I think that uh, Army is a team that will have success success running the football here. It would surprise me if they can't move the ball as well. I, I worried a bit when I see Wake Forest defensive rushing success rate allowed is 112th because Army's so good at getting four or five yards, uh, just what they need to get. They won't be afraid to go for it on fourth and one. Um, my number for this one was Wake Forest by four. Um, I don't have a strong an opinion here. Um, I think this is one where I would rather take Wake Forest than I would Army but I respect both teams quite a bit and I'm not anxious to go against them. This total is fascinating to me too. I, I put it almost exactly at what the number is, but I don't know who's going to stop the other team, but army play plays so slowly that I hate to play an over here. So uh, just a fascinating handicap here. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, we do have the question of army's quarterback, Christian Anderson, uh, whether or not he's going to play, he still leads the team in rushing, although he has missed the last two ball games. Um, and they have not been as good on offense without him leading the charge. And they did look okay against Wisconsin last week. Got the cover there, but did not get the win. Uh, but they are 0-2, you know, straight up without Christian Anderson as the quarterback. Parker, uh, the line, of course, sits at three. I, I had this number at Wake Forest minus six. And, and it kind of terrifies me on it. But I, I'm curious your thoughts on you know, Wake Forest being able to slow down this rushing attack. There are a couple of things that make me very nervous about Wake Forest in this matchup. One, going to Army is just um, odd, right, for a Power 5 team this, this late in the season. Um, if you look at Wake's defensive success rate against the rush, 115th at 46.4 allowed. 
conveniently, Army is 48th and uh, offensive success rate of the rush. It's 41%. And it, it gets a, a bigger discrepancy when you look at their EPA and kind of their explosiveness. Army, 24th in EPA per rush at 0.151. Wake Forest's defense is only 58th at 0.007. Or 007. It's a lot of zeros. Um, <laughs> but generally... Uh, I think that Wake has has an advantage just because they do have a pass offense that's going to be a little bit tough to defend. You know, Sam uh, Sam Hartman is 55% on those throws that are kind of uh, 10 yards down, 10 to 20 yards downfield between the numbers. They're running a lot of RPOs. They run that very stressful mesh um, that's kind of slow. And, and I, I think that, you know, their passing offense is 14th in the nation, 0.279 EPA per play. So I think that they should be able to pass. But... Going to Army, the crazy discrepancy in pace here uh, make me a little bit, you know, th- this line feels a little tight. And then the other thing to think about on the other side of the ball, uh, Army just played a beater against Wisconsin last week. And um, that's a quick turnaround, uh, playing two power fives back to back, having quarterback issues. Uh, I-, I don't know how well Army's going to be able to grind things out a second consistent week, although I do think that Wisconsin's probably a little more physical than Wake Forest. Um, I would slightly lean uh, towards Wake Forest, but man, I, I don't know that I have an official play here. I just don't, there's too much uncertainty for me to see uh, clear value on either side. Um, it's always hard to root against the troops and bet against the troops, but um, I, there's definitely a world where Army's rushing offense is so good that Wake Forest just can't stop it and Wake doesn't connect on a couple deep passes. But I think that Wake's passing offense will be able to uh, pose a threat to this Army secondary. That's that's kind of the way that I am leaning on this. Uh, if you look at the last three games for Army, they are only converting third downs at a 37% clip. For the season, it's around 49%. So that just tells you how far it's dropped off uh, because the first three games of the year for them, it was sky high. I mean, they could do no wrong on third and fourth down in those situations. Uh, Wake is converting at 47% on their third downs over the last three games. Uh, also, Wake Forest, you know, like we talked about, 9.1 yards per pass here. Uh, they can, you know, they can they can be a little explosive with the ball. They don't do a ton of explosive chunk plays, but I think they do enough in this spot. I'm going to make it a uh, an official play. Oh, and Patrick Houston, by the way, said uh, uh, Mikey pronounced like Nike. So definitely appreciate that. I will remember that for next time. I think I've done this on, on these shows hundreds of times and always mispronounce it. So uh, but my official play here. Wake Forest minus the three. I tend to feel okay about it. It's it's a tricky spot. You know, you don't know exactly what last week is going to mean for either one of these teams, but I do feel good about Wake Forest offense being able to score on the Army defense. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Demon Deacons and the Claw Fence. So, uh, again, jump into the chat. We've got several questions already. Uh, Brad Burton, Fernando, Brian, etc. We appreciate you guys being in the chat. Uh, if you would. Tell us your picks on the games and what games you want us to talk about in the Q&A. Uh, try and make them for the early slate as well. We're moving on, and we're jumping into uh, more ACC teams. Clemson heads to Pitt, and they are headed to Heinz Field for the first time in forever. It feels like Dabo said that he's only been to Pittsburgh one time in his life, which was uh, kind of surprising to me. But alas, here we are. Pitt, a three-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. And last year uh, was nothing like this. Uh, this line is completely different. Oh, the total is 48 on this game. Clemson won this game 52-17 to 17 last year. But you, you look at this line, it, it's a little bit shocking, but maybe the opposite direction of what people are thinking here. Pitt is 8-2 against the spread in their last 10 games. Clemson 0-6 against the spread this year. They have not covered yet. Um, Clemson has not been a dog in the ACC since 2016, and that was to the Lamar Jackson-led Louisville Cardinals. This was uh, this was strange to see at Clemson on the opposite side of a line in the ACC. Uh, Pitt, you want to talk about betting trends. You want to talk about coaching. I mean, goodness gracious, Pat Narduzzi. Pat is uh, uh, 7-0-1 against the spread in their last eight games as a favorite of less than four points. That is insane to me. Absolutely insane. Um, gentlemen, Parker, I'm going to start off with you. Pitt can score. Like, Kenny Pickett has been unbelievable. And if you just take the the names off the teams, is there any way that you could bet Clemson in the spot? 
kind of similar to me last week. I just don't trust Clemson's offense at all. Pitt is, um, I mean, Pitt's, Pitt's really, really good. They were averaging only 29 points per game last year, and they're averaging 48.3. You know, points per game is what it is. There's some limitations, but still a drastic increase like that is notable. Shout out to uh, Brennan Marion, the uh, wide receivers coach from Hawaii, who's now over at Pitt. Um, I will say that one thing about Pitt is their strength of schedule is a little lacking um, in that the defenses that they've played so far, FCS uh, team, they've played Tennessee, that's 61st in EPA, EPA per play defense. UMass is 95th, Western Michigan 64th, Georgia Tech is 46th. And so this um, this Clemson defense is going to be uh, by far the best defense that they have seen all year. That being said, I, I think Pitt's defense might be underrated with how good Kenny Pickett has been. They are uh, ninth in defensive EPA per play. For reference, Clemson is 124th in EPA per play on offense. They are having issues along the line and in the trenches. And I think that Pitt will be able to win that battle on both sides of the ball, um, especially because Pitt's defense is third on third downs allowed, uh, or excuse me, third down conversion allowed. Uh, they are, they are, um, 29.03 Clemson's offense only 101st if I flip that around Clemson's defense has actually been relatively worse on third downs uh, allowing 40 percent and Pitt's offense has is 56th in EPA or excuse me 56th in third down success so I think that Pitt will have to move the ball on early downs their 39th and early downs EPA kind of avoid those third down situations but I believe they'll be sufficiently frustrating to Clemson on offense that Clemson will give them plenty of opportunities look for a um defensive touchdown by Pitt here maybe uh because their defense is really opportunistic and that I think is enough to sway it uh again like you said Gary blind resume there's no way I could bet Clemson here knowing what Pitt has at quarterback right now and knowing how consistent they've been on defense I'm going to I'm going to take Pitt here even though there's a little voice in the back of my brain just screaming that it seems insane to um to bet against Clemson I I tend to agree with you it, the betting trends line up all of the stats line up. Uh, just every number you can think of here kind of kind of leans towards Pitt. Um, Kyle, let's let's get you in here. Pitt, you know, number nine in net uh, points per drive. Clemson, number fifty nine. However, Clemson's offense is number one nineteen in that metric. They have not been able to score. And I kind of thought when I bet against them last week with Syracuse that that would be the game where they finally open it up, and it is what it is. This pit defense is better than Syracuse's defense, it just flat out. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I, The one thing I am worried about is Kenny Pickett and his history against this Clemson defense. Uh, he has thrown a ton of interceptions, et cetera, but this looks like a completely different Kenny Pickett uh, in, the, I believe, his third year with Mark Whipple, um, the, the offensive coordinator, Kyle, give me your thoughts here. I, you know, same question that I that I asked Parker. Blind, you know, blind resume. I, Pitt has to be the player, right? Yeah, blind resume. You just look at it, not know the teams. I think this is six or seven point line. Uh, so Clemson respect in the marketplace has kind of held up their their numbers for a while, but they're zero and six against the spread. And if you watch that game last week, I mean, Clemson was pretty fortunate to beat Syracuse, and we know Pitt's much better than Syracuse. Um, and like you said, Pitt's defense is better than Syracuse, and their offense is a lot better than Syracuse, that's for sure. Um, off a of bye week in that game, too, for Clemson. So you come with that kind of effort off a of bye week um, against a Syracuse team that really isn't that good. They're certainly better than they were. And the thing about this being a trap line, I just kind of want to address this at least briefly. Um, I think, you know, if you talk yourself off too many games by saying this is a trap or it's fishy, um, despite what the numbers say, I think you'll probably be disappointed in the long run because, uh, you know, that you could say everything was a trap or fishy. You know, you, if you want to go with the data and the analytics, I'd much rather do that than say, well, the book knows something, so I have to stay away from this. Um, I don't really subscribe to that theory very much. E obviously, it's easy afterwards to say in some of these games, well, that was clearly a trap or that was, you know, because uh, it's college football. They, weird things happen. We know that it's possible Clemson could have a great showing here, but nothing in their resume so far this year tells me that they're going to show up with a great effort here. You would just have to say, well, they're Clemson, so it's bound to happen. But that's what people have been saying for six weeks now, right? So how many weeks are we going to let it go on before we say this is Clemson? And if Clemson goes out and plays amazing here, then, you know, we look like dummies and, and you know, it is what it is. But, you know, you look at the stats, there's no way I could take Clemson. 
Pitt minus three, I think, is a pretty good play here. Uh, regression signs for Clemson's defense as well. Clemson's defense is good, certainly very good, but they've allowed a touchdown on only five trips out of 18 in the red zone so far this year. They can't keep that up. I mean, no defense can can be that good. And I have to say, uh, I like to say when I'm right, when I'm wrong, I never thought Kenny Pickett would be this good. No way did I think he would be this good. You know, before the season, I'm kind of talking against Kenny Pickett. Now he's he's made me look like a, a moron on that, that's for sure. Of guys with at least 100 dropbacks this year, he's first in PFF's rankings for quarterbacks. Uh, pretty hard to believe. I, I still don't know if he's exactly that good, but certainly much better. Uh, the way to beat the pit defense is through the air. Do we think Clemson can throw it around? They haven't shown any signs of doing that. You know, I I want to see it before I can believe it, it'll happen. So, yeah, Gary, I think it's crazy that uh, Dabo's only been at Pitt one time ever in his lifetime. I didn't know that. But uh, I think it's a fascinating game. You know, Pitt 12th in yards per play margin, Clemson 58th. Clemson has played a tougher schedule, but not that much tougher. I have to take Pitt here. It's just, uh, you know, I can't just keep saying Clemson is Clemson. They're really good. They're going to show up this week. The stats say otherwise. I, I agree with both of you 100%. At, at no point has Clemson shown us any reason to believe that they will be able to turn this thing around. They are still dealing with injuries. They've still got all sorts of issues. My line on this was pit minus seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with the line. So let's go ahead and make it an official play. And this is the first time in quite a while, maybe since week one, I mean, was it the Kansas State game that we have all agreed on the same pick? Uh, and we hit that one. So, so I feel good. Where's about the it. sound effect? Where's like the, where's the, you know, the stone cold lock in the background sound effect? We'll get on that for next week. <laughs> like the broken glass, right? So we're yeah. all going to roll. We're rolling the Pitt Panthers. We, uh, we, we like them in this spot. Um, you know, it, even if Kenny Pickett does throw a couple interceptions, I trust them to be able to get the ball in the end zone much more so than I trust Clemson. I, I just I, I don't know what's going on with uh, with Tony Elliott's offense right now, and I don't think they're going to be able to get it fixed by going on the road to Heinz Field against Pat Narduzzi's defense. I just I don't buy it, uh, and I, I think you guys agree with me. So let me go ahead and remind everybody, make sure you like the video. I see, uh, let's see, 81 watching right now, and we've only got 26 likes. The math don't add up, y'all. Let's go ahead and uh, and hit that like button for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and hit the notification bell so you can be here with us every Wednesday and every Thursday. Uh, make sure, of course, jump into the chat for the Q&A. We've got multiple questions in already. Robert, Stephen, uh, Colin, Taylor, etc. So we've got several games for the Q&A, but keep on jumping in that chat. We want to know your picks on these games as well. Uh, hey, of course, tomorrow's show. Make sure that you come back on Thursday for the late slate, for the afternoon slate. Um, we are going to have a lot more games to talk about. we got three more that we're going to hit on today. And let's start off with another big one. And we talked about fishy lines. So let's go ahead and, and discuss Oregon on the road at the Rose Bowl against the UC from the last two years. It's kind of the Kenny Pickett thing, right? At, maybe you can sway us one way or another before game time. Uh, but as of right now, there's all of the advanced game time as this one. And we've got a Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kick in the Big 12, Oklahoma State. The Cowboys headed over to Ames, Iowa, that beautiful, wonderful tap water that they have in Ames. Iowa State, a seven-point favorite at home, total of 47. Matt Campbell. A seven-point favorite against Mike Gundy? I mean, my goodness, last year, the Cowboys win the game 24-21. to Oklahoma State is 8-1 and straight up in their last nine against Iowa State. They have covered the last two seasons. Uh, Oklahoma State, 10-3 and against the spread their last 13 as a road dog, 11-3 and against the spread their last uh, 14 as a dog overall, and they've got nine straight-up wins as an underdog uh, out of their last 14 games. This is kind of the Brees Hall against Jalen Warren show, uh, at least for me. Um, I Parker, I want to start with you on this. I understand that the numbers all would point to Iowa State. All of the advanced metrics, advanced analytics, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes, as with Purdue and, and Iowa, like we talked about last week, sometimes a coach just has another coach's number. Do you put any stock into that in this situation? Um, I don't think that I that I do necessarily. Um, 
you know, you can you can ask uh, some some of these guys, especially when it's been an offensive versus defensive matchup like that. Like, oh, Gundy has an answer to to Campbell, um, and then that tight front three down defense. But I, I think that I, I kind of throw um, everything that's happened out of the window a little bit in the past for this game, just because this season has been so odd with how uh, Oklahoma State has struggled early due to some roster issues and kind of looked. Uh, good enough lately, if if still flawed against some some better teams, and I think that Iowa State is is maybe the most undervalued team in the nation right now. I have them at 12th in EPA per play margin, 29th on offense, 21st on defense. Oklahoma State on the other side, 44th in EPA margin, 70th on offense, and 22nd on defense. Um, Iowa State always starts slow, right? The FCS game, we knew it was going to happen. They played Iowa early on, and that's a really, really rough game. That game was 14-10 at halftime. Um, then I, we we go to the one game that I think would change everything. Iowa State lost to Baylor 29-31. to Baylor scored three touchdowns on their first three drives. They did not score a touchdown in their next nine, I believe, drives. They only offensive points that they had came off after a punt return to the 15 where they promptly ran the ball for negative three yards and kicked a field goal. So um, special teams has has just gotten Iowa State in some early situations, and we know they start slow. I think they're really coming on strong, look to get right uh, You know, against Kansas. They, they did exactly what they should have done against a decent Kansas State team. They really paced themselves. Brees Hall showed some of that explosive ability that he's had, and Iowa State's made a change again uh, on the offensive line that I think uh, really ups their potential and consistency on offense. So I'm actually very high on Iowa State's defense being consistent and their offense uh, increasing as of late, whereas Oklahoma State, I think, plays good enough defense to compete with anyone. But I think that their offense is not going to have enough kind of finishing power here against Iowa State. Uh, They're 107th in points per echo. Iowa State on defense is 30th. And so I think that ultimately Oklahoma State is going to kick field goals when they're going to need to score touchdowns. And I think that Iowa State will outpace them. So this is Iowa State's um, statement to say we should have been ranked this whole time. Watch the games. Don't don't penalize us for random special teams nonsense. Um, I think they'll win at home pretty comfortably here. I like them and 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 uh, to cover. I like how you tossed in there at the very end, random special teams nonsense, as if it has been completely fixed. I am telling you, my friend, I am on the other side of this. I, I will go ahead, Kyle. I'm going to get you in on the total in a minute, but I'm going to disagree with Parker here. Oklahoma State has one thing that Iowa State does not have, and that is Jim Knowles as the defensive coordinator. I understand the advanced metrics do not necessarily paint them in the best light. I understand that. But look, if you go through the last three opponents that Oklahoma State has faced, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, they are holding them to only 22% on third downs, and they are only giving up three and a half yards per rush. They will be able to slow down Brees Hall enough in this spot, and they can make Brock Purdy uncomfortable. Purdy, for whatever reason, when he gets in some of these big-time matchups, he tends to falter a little bit, and he has done it routinely over the years. So I trust Oklahoma State to be able to get this done. Um, it, he, he, I love Jim Knowles, so this is a bit of a homer pick for me. But, uh, but I'm going to roll with Oklahoma State on this. Kyle, I know that you like the total here. Uh, so we are all three going to have a play here. What are your thoughts on uh, on the total? Yeah, guys, I was just kind of, you know, watching popcorn eating over here, I guess I'd say, as you guys disagree on this one. Uh, I'm going to leave them to disagree on the side. I, I don't have any strong opinion on that, but I do like the under in this game. Um, Oklahoma State covered one outright last week, at least somewhat fortunate in that because Texas kind of had control of that game. Felt like Texas probably could have ran away with that. And then, the pick six, um, you know, we've I feel like we've said this before. Texas had control of the game, and then they lost control of it. Um, Mike Gundy is an ATS monster, as an underdog. Uh, I think that has to be respected quite a bit. 15-4 and four against the spread, and his last 19 as an underdog. The thing about Oklahoma State is they're clearly not as good as their record. You know, they're, they're 105th in yards per play on offense, 97th in success rate on offense. And Spencer Sanders is a major liability in the passing game. ADOT of 8.1, 5.2% rate, turnover-worthy plays, 83rd in passing grade at PFF. Brock Birdie, not always the most consistent guy at quarterback either. He's been pretty good this year, but he can have some games where you wonder about him. Um, 
the thing that I would be concerned about with Iowa State is their special teams um, nonsense has kind of came up time after time, and Oklahoma State is a top five special teams opponent. So uh, all this being said, Iowa State's 23rd in PFF defensive grade, Oklahoma State's 10th. Oklahoma State's defense is really good. I think they're ex- extremely good. They're keeping them in the game in every single game. To be honest with you, I was kind of hoping we'd get a short number on Iowa State here because initially I thought I'd want to lay the points with Iowa State. Seven is too much for me. I do so like the under. I don't see either offense with any real advantage in a game like this because Iowa State's defense is elite at not giving up big plays. That's something I really like to to look at a lot, especially for low totals. You don't want any of those really big plays because those can uh, go really quickly and uh, we can't have those two play drives for a touchdown. Iowa State has allowed four plays of 30 yards or more in six games. That's best in the country. That's tremendous stuff. 17 plays of 20 yards or more. And neither offense is really that explosive. You know, I think Brees Hall has been a bit disappointing so far this year. I think that's probably more about the offensive line than it is about him. Oklahoma State's defensive line is tremendous. They're very good. Even with injuries, they've been very good. I think there'll be a lot of running in the football here. I would think both teams would want to run the ball. I'll take the under in this one. That makes perfect sense. I, I did have a note down here. It said, who can overcome their mistakes? Because I kind of expect both teams to make the mistakes. Uh, Oklahoma State has survived a lot of interceptions and whatnot from Smith. It's almost like they have learned to live with it from him. Um, Brock Purdy, whenever he makes mistakes, it seems that it just kind of demoralizes the whole team. Who can overcome those, I think, is going to be your winner here. So let's move to the official plays. And we got picks all over the board on this one. So if you agree with Parker then you were going to ride with Iowa State minus seven. If you agree with me, then you were going to take the Cowboys at plus seven. And if you would rather just eat the popcorn, you can side with Kyle and take the under. And I could totally agree with that. So <laughs> I don't agree with Parker, but I agree with Kyle here. How's that? <laughs> it's very, very uncommon that I actually don't agree with Parker on a pick. But uh, but this is one of those instances where we get to, uh, get to hash it out a little bit. And I feel good about it. We got one more game to go. All you guys that are in the chat, we appreciate you for being here. Jump into the chat and let us know any questions you got for the Q&A coming up right after this. Uh, LSU heading to Oxford, Mississippi. Ole Miss a nine-point favorite total of 76 here. These Lane Kiffin totals are just bananas every single week for whatever reason. But maybe part of it is because LSU actually won this matchup last year, 53-48. to Of course, that is uh, quite a few points there. LSU is 4-0-1 against the spread, their last five against Ole Miss. LSU 8-2 straight up, 6-3-1 against the spread in their last 10 against Ole Miss. Um, this is uh, a weird spot. You know, LSU not used to being an underdog, of course, but uh, but they are 6-3 against the spread, their last nine as an underdog. Ole Miss 5-3-1 against the number as a favorite under Lane Kiffin. And, of course, the biggest question of the weekend is Matt Corral going to play against LSU? Uh, Kiffin kind of brought it up, said that Corral got banged up pretty good against Tennessee last week. It makes sense. I mean, he ran the ball 30 times for 195 yards, whatever it was. It was crazy numbers. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do always question that. Maybe that's a, a topic for a different show, is why on earth would you run your quarterback that much if you don't have to? But... Uh, but maybe they had to because Ole Miss has got all kind of guys out. Jerrion Ely was out for this, uh, the past game. I don't know that he's going to play this week. They just got injuries all over the board. Uh, Kyle, uh, let's start off with you on this one. Uh, there are so many questions. What is the motivation factor for LSU going to be? Uh, did they actually find a running game, or was it just Florida being inept on on the defensive side? All All these questions, what do you make of this matchup? Yeah, far too many questions here and not enough answers. Um, Gary, you said earlier that sometimes you can just use it as like a a learning experience where you find out something about that team. That's what I want to do in this game because I think it is an interesting game to watch and see what happens. But we don't know what the um, the motivation level for LSU will be. You know, obviously they have some uh, with Orgeron news. How are they going to respond to that? Uh, The numbers matter far less to me in this game than they would in a normal game because I don't really know what I'm going to get from Ole Miss because. Look, if Corral's not 100% or if he doesn't play, big, big downgrade to Ole Miss for sure. Um, And LSU, I mean, we've seen this even in the NFL, some here recently where we've had 
coaches that are gone or weird motivational spots and people say, okay, well, you've got to bet this side or the other side. It's kind of a guess. We're talking about guesswork and things like this. We don't know how they're going to respond to that. Ole Miss has a ton of injuries, a ton of injuries. Um, LSU, I don't, I don't know where that running game came from. I think Florida just played very poorly in that game. I don't want to bet this game. Way too much variance. Um, I don't even have a lean on this game at all. <laughs> That's I'm kind of the same way as you. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price, five touchdowns, 434 yards on 58 carries in the last two games. That is seven and a half yards per carry. Uh, and that's against Kentucky and Florida, who we thought had, you know, pretty good defenses. They were not able to run at all. Parker, I mean, this this rushing offense was completely inept. And, and they just flipped a switch, it felt like, in the fourth quarter against Kentucky and continued it into the Florida game. I I don't know what to make of it. I I don't know. I just I, I have no idea about this ball game. What what do you feel about it? I stay away just because of the uncertainty with Matt Corral. Ole Miss's defense is so bad that if Corral isn't going to be 100% or there's questions about it, there's no value for me here because LSU has shown the ability to against Kentucky, for instance, um, kind of close the gap and and make things look a little more respectable than they actually are there at the end. They they have some explosive play potential. Uh, Max Johnson's not awful. These. Uh, defenses, though, are, are very bad. Ole Miss, 125th in EPA per play on defense. LSU, 112th. Um, and you're right, that LSU um, rushing offense did kind of come out of nowhere. Even with last week's big performance against Florida, they are only 56 in the nation in EPA per rush. Um, shout out to Richard Johnson. Go find him on Twitter. He has a piece where he talks about how LSU basically just did one wrinkle Florida couldn't answer. So I don't know how much stock I put in kind of uh, that going forward, certainly impressive that they were able to pull off something Florida wasn't prepared for, but I don't know if this is some kind of revelation of their rushing offense. Um, the asymmetry on early downs and late downs is hilarious to me. LSU 16th in early downs EPA on offense, Ole Miss 122nd on EPA, <laughs> uh, early downs EPA and offense and defense. Wait for it though. Ole Miss's offense 15th in early downs EPA, LSU's defense 88th um, and the same kind of splits for for late down success here so ton of variance in this game i do have this hitting the over on on 76 but very very slightly i don't know if i lean aside i do think that if corral is out that really um if the second you hear that corral is out i think you should go get lsu um and maybe the under but but generally i think that if these teams are full strength i think Ole miss will be able to win a shootout here um but with the defenses being so bad i just don't want to put my money on on you know a college kid being healthy if i don't know he is and that totally makes sense brad burton jumped into the chat by the way he said i think kiffin is saying corral is hurt just to mess with the lsu preparation and coach o did echo those sentiments uh, he said yeah uh this smells like a smoke screen to me you know it, and i could believe it right it, they those two know each other very very well so maybe this is all just smoke and mirrors and we'll figure it out and corral will come out and play uh, but I would not feel comfortable with it. He did get blasted multiple times in that game in Neyland Stadium on Saturday night. Uh, this is uh, its going to be an interesting one. I will certainly say that. So we are not going to have a play on it. None of us feel strongly about it either way. Too many question marks, but it can be, as Kyle said, as I said earlier, a learning experience, something to just toss into the note pile. You can bring it back out when you're wanting to bet on these teams later on in the season. So with that said, uh, go ahead and jump in with your picks on the play. We would love to hear from you. Uh, jump in with the comments and the chat, et cetera. We are going to jump into a Q&A, and we did have somebody that DM'd Kyle. Uh, we'll start off with Eric in Colorado. He wanted to know about Colorado State and Utah State. I'll go ahead and say this one. Uh, the line, which I wanted to get an updated line, and I did not do it. Uh, Kyle, you don't have that in front of you, do you? I do. Um Colorado State by three and a half with a total of 58 and a half here. Colorado State has been playing significantly better as of late, and their defense is really surprisingly good. Um, they are 4-0 and against the spread in their last four against Utah State. Um, now, of course, obviously different teams, all that. You've got a brand new coach in Utah State. Uh, Colorado State number three in net defensive available yards. Utah State, number 39 in offensive net available yards, and that, I think, is going to be the matchup. Can Utah State move the football effectively on Colorado State? Because I think the Colorado State offense is pretty good. Uh, Kyle, let's go on and start with you. I, I feel 
you know, uh, Colorado State did not look good to start the season. But again, as we've said multiple times on the show, teams can improve from week to week. And I think that's what Adazio's bunch is doing right now. Yeah, I first want to address the total, which started at 52.5, is now 58.5. A a six-point line move at this point in the season, uh, pretty extreme. We don't see that very often. And that's totally because of pace here. Fourth for Utah State, 16th for Colorado State. The question is, how efficient can the two offenses be? I know some people really like the under here saying, you know, uh, 58 and a half with the Colorado State offense. It's been so inefficient. Their defense is very good. Um, I see Utah State as an over team. I see Colorado State as an under team. So I'll stay off the total on that one. I think I lean toward Utah State here plus the points. Really like Anderson as a coach. Bonner seems to be pretty healthy again. Uh, I just, you know, I've seen too much negative from Colorado State to go and lay more than a field goal in a game like this. No, that does make perfect sense. Parker, um, you got any, you got any thoughts on this one? Because Colorado state, like I don't have a play here. I would have leaned Utah state beforehand, but looking at some of these numbers, especially recent numbers from Colorado state has really got me, got me thinking about the Rams here. Oh, you got mute on. The dog barked again, and I tried to catch it. My bad, fellas. Um, I think that uh, you've got an opponent adjust Colorado State's schedule, and it's funny to say you like have to downgrade them for allowing 24 points to Iowa um, because that offense is is really bad. So Colorado State's defense has been good, and with a you know, so again, fourth in in raw EPA per defense play defense, second against the pass, 26 against the rush. What that says to me is not, wow, this team's really high quality. What that says to me is, wow, this defense is playing pretty consistently, um, more so against some of these bad teams. So one thing that stands out, Utah State's passing offense, 18th in the nation at 0.242 EPA per play, uh, 33rd overall in offense. Utah State is far and away the best offense that Colorado State has played this, um, this season. One kind of mismatch that leans, you know, if I was going to be an antagonist and say, let's let me think about Colorado State here and why I might lean there. Both teams rushing a lot on early downs, obviously Colorado State a lot more. But Utah State, uh, 102nd in early downs EPA. Colorado State is fifth on early downs EPA defense. But then third and fourth down success, Utah State 22nd, Colorado State fourth. So where Utah State has been making their money is third down passes. Um, and, and Colorado State really is well poised to kind of shut that down. So if Utah State can't find some consistent first and second down offense, they could find themselves in situations like third and seven, third and eight. Uh, I don't know, third and nine maybe. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they could find themselves in third and long against a defense that's really good it kind of being disruptive on third and long and that's a recipe uh that that's a recipe that that may make me lean towards colorado state um but again they they this is uh kind of a question of opponent adjustments for you how much do you believe in what colorado state's been able to do how much do you believe in in utah state being the best offense that they faced and that tends to make sense uh so let's do a little rapid fire through the q a we do have multiple questions here we'll start off with mike maloney uh, he asks, will Florida State cover that huge spread against UMass? And that line is, I think, 38 and a half, 39, somewhere around there. Uh, Kyle, let's start off with you. I, the numbers, so in, in games like this, I kind of like to see where the public is going. Oh, it's 35 and a half. Okay, it's, it's back down a little bit. Um, the public was all over UMass, and the line was moving the opposite direction. Is is there anything to read into that uh, UMass? Of course, these coaches. Okay, the coaches don't know each other well. I take that back because uh, uh, Walt Bell was actually the offensive coordinator for Willie Taggart uh, for a season, and now of course Norvell takes back over. But maybe Bell knows some of these players, et cetera. Is there anything to read into this game? Can can Florida State actually cover this number? So there, this is not a game that's been bet on very much as far as the ticket count so far this week. So I don't know if I read too much into that. I talked about earlier in the season, these non-conference games, as you get later into the season, laying a bunch of points has been a losing uh, way of betting ATS. I would not bet Florida State minus the points here. What have they done so far this year that makes you think that they would consistently be very good? Um, Of course, they could blow out UMass, but I I could also see a really sloppy game in a game like this. So um, I don't trust UMass a lot. It's more of a fate of Florida State for me. I would certainly lean toward UMass here. I know that certainly makes sense. I mean, it, you you give up ten points uh, to UMass, and I mean you're having to score 
what more than 45 to be able to get this cover. So I I would not uh, I would not be a fan of that one. So uh, Colin Rippert asks for our thoughts on Purdue and Wisconsin. Parker, uh, so Purdue big win last week. Of course, you you wanted to call it. You wanted to call the money line upset. I don't know that I trust them two weeks in a row against lines like this. Right? I they should be significantly better than Wisconsin. I think. Because we've seen Wisconsin make so many mistakes. Can Wisconsin maybe not make mistakes for a game if they go on the road uh, in West Lafayette? Yeah, I, I certainly think that, um, again, Wisconsin was able to work on playing kind of clean and, and consistent football last week against Army. Um, Purdue here, again, we have this mismatch that I really like, and it was the same thing I liked against uh, Iowa. Purdue's passing offense is just really good it's it's 40th in epa per play um it's it's 40th in success rate uh but Purdue's defense is is just absolutely underrated stifling 14th in the nation in epa per play seventh in success rate and so i think that while wisconsin is not going to be able to score and their defense has been generally fine but i do think that Purdue's explosive ceiling on offense you know gives them a threat where they could score and wisconsin won't be able to dig out of a hole so i really trust jeff brom i like his um i i like his offense granted he is due for kind of one upset a week uh, a year this uh, would would be an upset, but obviously of a different magnitude. So I don't know how much you factor that in. Um, Purdue really, really uh, good on early downs. EPA really not giving up big plays early on defense. And I think that's where Wisconsin is going to have to make some money is just getting some breathing room and not being in these third and long situations. I don't believe they'll be able to do it. I could easily see Purdue kind of digging uh, Wisconsin's grave early and then just kind of coasting. Um, one thing that does make me a little nervous, Purdue hasn't been great at field position on either side of the ball, whereas Wisconsin's been just okay. Purdue is worse. And so maybe there's a world where Wisconsin could say, we're going to play a stake free football. We're going to make you have long fields. Um, but generally I like Purdue's defense and their explosive offense uh, a lot more than I like anything Wisconsin has. It's uh, the line is three, by the way, Purdue, yeah. a, uh, a home dog. So, you know, a total of 40 here, uh, maybe maybe a play to the under. Uh, Kyle, I mean, would that be – is that line just too low? I mean, that total too low, excuse me. I hate playing college tundra, uh, totals under like uh, 42, 41. That's, you're just getting into rarefied air there. I, if I had to bet it, I'd bet the under, but I can't get excited to bet the under. Um, yeah, my number was 39 on this one, so I'm pretty close. That totally makes sense. Uh, we did have a question. Taylor Williams wants to know about UCF and Memphis. This line was UCF minus three. It is now Memphis as a favorite on the road in Orlando on Friday night. Uh, Memphis a one-point favorite here. I, look, I don't trust the Tigers a whole lot. I don't trust UCF, but I do think Memphis is at least a, a more complete football team at this point just because of the quarterback position and and what they have shown down at uh, at UCF, um, you know, and Kyle, you kind of feel uh, you kind of feel the same here. This total is sixty three and a half. By the way, I, I think a lot of that has to do with what we saw from UCF early in the season when Dylan Gabriel was still playing. I don't know that all of those numbers have been moved completely out of there yet. Uh, so I, I would not touch this game. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if Dylan Gabriel was playing, this could be some epic shootout in a game like this. You know, we could see a ton of points. It's hard to bet the total in a game like this. I think if I had to bet this game, I'd bet Memphis. I just trust what they're doing more at this point. UCF has lost all their explosiveness on offense. Uh, their defense is okay, but not great. Uh, Memphis has that quick strike ability. So uh, lean toward Memphis here in this one. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Uh, Steven asks uh, for our take on Tulane at SMU. And I don't have the line in front of me, but Parker, uh, I know that you and I have talked quite a bit about Tulane before. They are 14-point dogs on Thursday at SMU. My number on this was da -da -da, SMU minus, uh, minus 14. Hits why I did not make a play on this. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily trust SMU at home on a weeknight. But Tulane has not given me any reason to believe that that they could cover this other than early, early first week of the season against Oklahoma. 
Uh, is there any kind of number or anything that we should look at with this? Uh, the total is 70 and a half, by the way, so we can expect points. But I I don't know what, how you could pick anybody other than SMU in this spot. Yeah, I mean, SMU's offense is 15th in EPA per pass, and Tulane is, is 123rd. Um, I think that, ooh, I'm going to pump the brakes on saying something crazy. Ole Miss's explosive offense and SMU's explosive offense are both hard to defend and very good offenses. I was going to say something about being as good as, and I didn't believe that, but um, generally I think that they, they have the athletes um, and, and the running back to kind of compete with, with anybody. And, and uh, I really do think that Tulane is in a, in a rough spot kind of identity wise. Um, maybe you could look at SMU as a, you know, allowing a uh, 41.9% passing success rate. That's 82nd in the nation. Um, Tulane, Michael, um, Michael Pratt uh, for Tulane has, has shown some moments to be consistent. Maybe he could find a couple deep balls and they could muck this thing up. But I, I think there's little reason to bet uh, anything other than SMU in this game. Yeah, I tend to, I tend to agree. All right, and let's see. Robert says, uh, let's see, Nevada-Fresno State. And I think that that is – that's a later game, is isn't that it? Saturday or Friday? Mm-hmm. I think that's I think Saturday. Saturday night. Yeah, we'll and grab it tomorrow. Uh, you know what? Yep, we can hit that one tomorrow. We can absolutely hit it. I will write it down right now. Fresno and Nevada. So we'll hit that in tomorrow's Q&A as well. Uh, good gracious, Brad jumps in on the jet. Well, my beer money is quite a bit higher than pizza. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like Same, it. Same, brother. All right. Um, so we appreciate everybody that has jumped in on the chat, but we are done with the Q&A for right now. Let's go ahead and give a quick recap of our picks for the day. And we'll go ahead and start off with a Parker and Parker is going to roll with tonight, Coastal Carolina, minus the four and a half. He is taking Pitt, minus three against Clemson, and he likes the Cyclones, Iowa State, minus seven at home against Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I am taking UConn on Friday evening, plus 15 and a half at home against MTSU. Wake Forest, minus three at Army at Mikey Stadium. I got it right this time. And I am also riding with Pitt minus three, and I am going against Parker and taking Oklahoma State plus seven on the road in Ames. Kyle likes Pitt minus three with us. We have an infinity lock here. We all like Pitt minus three, and Kyle is going to take the under 47 in Oklahoma State at Iowa State. I feel great about all of these other than Parker's Cyclones pick. That's about it. I'm sure so, there'll be no victory laps taken next week, Gary. We'll see what happens. We'll see. <laughs> it's, I feel like we should come up with some kind of a bet on the show. You know, somebody has to wear some kind of a hat or or something, uh, which, Kyle, I did not comment on the Villanova hat, but it looks great. So <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and close this thing out. Uh, go ahead and remind everybody, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, remind you again, we go live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time and on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. But make sure that you share out the show. Jump in the comments with your picks. We want to hear your thoughts. We jump into the comments as well. We had multiple people asking about EPA uh, per play last week. We were able to answer some of those as well. So any questions you have, you can always jump in there. Or, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. The links are in the description below. Uh, Sign up at BetUS. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You can get 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. So take advantage of the deal while you can. There's a link in the description for that one as well. Gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. It's my favorite part of the week, and I'm looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. So with that said, for BetUS, we'll see you all again on Thursday.